You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. God bless you wonderful people. Can you hear me all right? I know my voice is kind of shot, kind of gone, but I'm still having a time for the Lord. Amen. I love you so very much. I'm ringing a little bit, and I know you'll figure that out. Thank God for the sound guys. Amen. And what a blessing. Video guys, online guys, uh, the five guys. I thank God for everybody. Amen. Five guys. You have all that down here. Amen. You know, I'm pretty amazed that uh, the South... Well, you have to pray for this voice. I'm going to get through, all right, okay? You help me through. Pray me through. Will you do that? And I promise I won't be as long tonight. And uh, maybe I shouldn't say that. You know, I've been saying that every night, and it's, it's not working, is it? Amen. But I'm having a good time at this place. I'm having a great time at the Victory Baptist Church. And I am amazed. The song was, I'm amazed at the Lord. I'm amazed at what he does. I'm amazed he wants to spend time with us. I'm amazed at that. I'm amazed at uh, this great church and what God's doing in this place. Really amazing. Oh, I don't know. Crazy people around here. And they're sitting in the pews. Amen. Oh, man. But God is good, isn't he, everybody? And I'm so thankful you're here tonight. Those of you that have come in tonight for the first time, I'm blessed that you came. And did you see that crowd that walked out? Well, that was like a 500 people left already. Amen. Once the preaching starts, more will step out. Amen. And we'll just see what happens. Praise the Lord. You got to stop taking them pictures now. So I'm going to come down and break that camera. I, I tell you what, it's probably already broken now you've been taking pictures. I'm seeing the Bibies have, this revival has put the Bibies back together. Isn't that good? I'm so happy to see that. Praising the Lord. You know, I, uh, just being around you people, I feel better looking. No, you took that wrong. You took that wrong. I'm saying because I'm with you, I'm starting to get good looking like you. Amen. I'm starting to improve here. And I know you're saying, brother, you got a long way to go. Amen. That's all right. I am having a time in North Carolina. People are different here. I mean, some are here and some are not there. You know what I mean? But there's something about down south where you just love everybody. Am I right about that? Now, you may not, but you all talk like you do. You all talk like you do. I mean, I went into the restaurant today. All right, waitress comes on me and says, hey, sugar booger, hey, sugar, what do you want, sugar? Hey, sugar, hey, sugar. I'm going, man, you're going to be stopping that. My wife going to be walking through that door any moment. Hey, hey, sugar. I think one time she called me hunky chunky. I'm not real sure. I mean, sugar booger. What were the other? I mean, what were the other names she was called? Sugar booger and sugar and, and honey bun and I don't know, man. So are y'all y'all do that in church? It's a together we love each other in this church, amen. But I'm so happy to be here tonight. And what a thrill to be in this church. I love Brother Coburnett. And uh, thank God for all that God is doing in this place. I uh, told Brother Coburnett today, I think it was, maybe yesterday, but I said there's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. 
And you can tell when you go into a church when there's a people that are hungry for God. You can go into a church and you can tell the people that are serious about meeting with the Lord. And you can tell about the, the sweetness of the people and, and what they're there for. And it's just really amazing what's going on in this wonderful place and what God is doing at the Victory Baptist Church. I'm loving it. And of course, I haven't been here for a couple of years, but I'm loving what God's doing in this place. How about you? I'm loving it. And I thank God for it. I cannot tell you, I'm going to try to tell you, <laughs> I cannot tell you how much your pastor means to me. Now, through the years, when you bring young people up and they go off to Bible college and they serve the Lord, and then you, do, you, you, you go your separate ways. And uh, it's just an amazing thing how God has touched Brother Colbernat for such a time as this. And you know, God brought him here to this church for such a time as this, for this generation in which you all live. And I'm thankful for Brother Colbernat. Brother Colbernat, when he first came into our youth department, one of the things that we did was on a Tuesday night, we would go soul winning. And Brother Colbernat, I don't know if you remember as well as I do, but I would take Brother Colburn at home every Tuesday night when we would have visitation soul winning. And we would go home, and I think I was driving a, a Chevy Corsica at the time, uh, way back in the day, and, and I had a Chevy Corsica. And I'd take Brother Colburn at home, and guess what street he lived on? You all know what street he lived on, right? What was it? Victory Street. <laughs> so you think God put something together? Hey, man, God put something together, didn't he? And I remember sitting there talking with Brother Colbernat, and we would always spend time with God in prayer. And we would always say something like this, Dear God, and I would pray, and I'd say, Dear God, thank you for Brother Jeremy Colbernat. And dear God, I would pray that you would put your hand upon him and that you would use him and that, God, your blessing would be upon him. And you know what? I think it's come to pass. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean God's done. I think he's just getting started around here. Amen? And I thank God for Brother Colbernat. They say that the people that you admire the most, you begin to look like. And so I think it's rubbing off on, on Brother Colbernat. Amen. And uh, thank God for Brother Colbernat. And uh, you two look like, do you, are you husband and wife? Boyfriend, girl? No. Do you know each other? I'm going to give you 20 bucks. Can you handle that? You're a good man. You took the money. Come on, brother. All right. All right. So get yourself something after church or get a pizza. Or, would that be all right? All right. What's her, what's her name? Do you know her name? Logan? Okay, Logan. I'll give you a 20. I just want to give you a 20 because I don't know who you are, but I want you to go have a good time. Is that all right? What's your first name? Watkins and Logan. How's that, all right? Come to church and make money. What do you think? Is that all right? Yeah, God bless you. Well, God's good all the time. Amen? God's good all the time. You want to talk about shocking people, you give them the offering. Amen? I love it. Thank you so very much. But I love Victory Baptist Church. I want you to know I sense the touch of God here. I, I sense the touch of God on this place and on your pastor. Amen? What a blessing. I've met some of you tonight for the first time that you've come back or your first time back in a while. I'm so blessed and honored. I think we ought to give them a hand tonight that they're here. Amen. And thank you for coming back. It's such a blessing to see you. If you have your Bible, I want you to go to the book of Daniel. And we'll start out in the book of Daniel, chapter number one. 
I was youth pastor for about 24 years in our church, and uh, God blessed that we had hundreds of young people come through the ministry, and it was always a good time. Can you all tell I'm a little crazy? Now, I was a youth pastor for 24 years. That's why I'm here, but not all there. I'm telling you right now, to be a youth pastor, you got to kind of be wacko, crazy, way out there. Amen. Is that Brother Johnson around here? And I think it's rubbing off there too. Amen. And we thank God for that. But uh, for 24 years, I uh, spent time as a youth pastor. And one of the great things that we would always do is that we were interested in having the young people know what it was to set out for God. I want to tell the church here tonight, never discount or never discount or take out a teenager in a church. They're some of the most important people in the church. Never, never discount the elderly. They're some of the most important people in the church. Never take out the middle age. They're some of the most people important. Important people in the church, amen? <laughs> Choking up on my own words, that'll be all right. But never discount the young people because the fire of this church is gonna come when the young people get some fire in their bosom and they stay with it. And that's what we always try to promote is to have the fire of God upon the young people. When I was a, a camp director and I still try to involve myself in camp, I would go down to the campground. Brother Colbernat knows where I'm talking about. I would go down to the campground as much as I could. When I was youth director, I could do it a lot more than when I'm a pastor. When I was a youth director, I would go to that campground sometimes one, two, three, four times a week, and I would spend time with God. That's where I would get out, and I would walk amongst the woods, and I'd pray and cry out to God. And sometimes I would get into one of those cabins, and I'd fall on my knees, and I'd cry out to God for youth camp that's coming up because you know something? Young people are valuable, amen. Young people need direction in their life. I'm telling you right now, if we don't grab this generation, the nation will be gone if we don't grab this generation right now. And so I was walking down the street, down the, the little gravel road, and I, all of a sudden this man popped out beside me. I never met him before, never seen him before, never seen him since. As I was walking down that road that, that day, I said, sir, where are you going? He said, I'm going to a tree stand. He said, I'm the only one that's allowed to hunt on this property. I said, really? I said, how long have you been hunting here? And he said, oh, something like 40 years or something. I said, you got to be kidding. I said, sir, how old are you? He said, I'm 88 years of age. I said, 88 years of age and you're going hunting, you're going to climb in a tree stand, you're going to shoot a deer and you're going to drag that deer out of the woods? I said, sir, that's really amazing. I said, let me shake your hand. I shook his hand, 88 years of age. I said, sir, what is your name? I said, my name is Pastor Mark. What's yours? He said, my name is Fireball. Fireball. I said, sir, you got the right name, amen. Your parents named you right, Fireball. Walking into the woods at 88 years of age, climbing up in a tree stand, getting ready to pull the bull back. And I don't know what kind of pressure you put on a bull, but so you got to put enough on there to kill a deer. You don't want to just wound him or hurt him or have the deer laugh at you when he goes through the woods. And so he pulls the bull back. He gets a deer, drags it out, drags it out of the woods all by himself. 88 years of age, his name is Fireball. I remember walking in the woods that day and I said, Dear God, I'm going to ask you with the power of God that you would let me be named Fireball. I want to be a Fireball for God. I said, in the, I said in the cabins that day as I began to pray, I said, Dear God, don't ever let me stop being a Fireball. I know not everybody's going to like it. Not everybody's going to want it. But Lord, don't ever let me stop being a Fireball. I want to be close to you. I want to know what it's like to be around the fire. I want to be 
fired up for God. I don't ever want to quit. Dear God, I don't ever want to quit. I want to have the fire. Let me say something, Victory Baptist Church. If we're going to win America back, somebody's got to be a fireball for God. You say, man, I don't get stirred up. Somebody ought to get stirred up. Hey, man, let me tell you something. The world is stirred up about what they're doing. Why can't we get stirred up like an angel? Amen. Gabriel, amen. amen. We need to get stirred up for God. We need to get stirred up for the Lord. I say that all to this. We are living probably in the last of the last days, it looks like. Jesus could come back tonight. How many know that and believe it? Can you say amen? We learn on Monday night that if we want to be ready, we need to be in the presence of Jesus. Amen? We need to be in his presence. But I'm saying tonight, my dear friends, that Jesus is coming back. But until he comes back, I have a burning in my heart. I have a desire in my heart to, to reach as many as I can, to preach as much as I can, to save this nation. If it all be possible, you say, I don't think America is going to be saved. I don't know that either. But let me tell you something. I'm going to try by the grace of Almighty God. You say, Pastor, I've already given up. Let me say something tonight to everybody in this crowd. We cannot give up yet. It's not time... I'm sorry about that, brother. It's not time to stop yet. It's not time to throw in the towel yet. It's not time to say I'm done. It's not time to say it's over. Let me tell you something. It's not over until the king says it's over. Amen. Well, I'm already fired up. Amen. Call me fireball. But I love the United States of America. Can I get an amen? I always read the comics every day because that's pretty much on my intelligence level. Every day of my life. I read the comics. Any, can I get anybody in the house saying amen on that one? Yeah, that's what I thought, brother. I knew you were a little loose up there. That's why we had such connection, wasn't it, brother? Yes, I read the comics one day, and it's that, uh, that little boy, I think it's called Tiger. Has anybody ever heard of it? I think it's called Tiger. And the little boy and the little girl sitting there in the room, and the girl's got a guitar out. And then the, the, the boy with the one tooth in the middle, Hugo, I'm not sure that's his name. Oh, yes, it is. I think it is. She says it right here. She says, Hugo, do you like country music? And he says, sure. She said, what's your favorite country music song? And he said, my country, tis of thee. My country, tis of thee. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I worked for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my God above to be living here today because the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away. And I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died who gave that right to me. And I'd gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today because there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee, across the plains of Texas, from sea to shining sea, from Detroit down... <coughs> to Houston and New York to L.A. Where's pride in every American heart? And it's time we stand and say that I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. Don't you thank God we're free tonight? And I won't forget the men who died who gave that right to me. I'd gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today because there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. I won't forget the men who died who gave that right to me and I'd gladly stand 
stand up next to you and defend her still today because there ain't no doubt. I love this land. May God bless the USA. I'm saying tonight, my dear friends, I want to preach on this tonight. I'm asking God to give us an old-fashioned heaven-sent revival, but I want to preach on this tonight. If my people, if my people, or I want to preach on this when the heat's turned up. When the heat's turned up, you know what? In the United States of America, it looks like the heat's getting turned up. Can I get an amen in the house? It looks like amongst our crowd. It looks like people don't like us like they used to. Do you remember when Bible was respected in the United States? Do you remember when people loved one another? Do you remember when it was like when people didn't care what nationality, what color you were, and people loved to stand beside you and defend her still today? Let me tell you something. I love the United States of America, and I'm still willing to defend her today. You say, you're an old man. Then I'll die an old man defending the United States of America. I love the United States of America. I'm willing to give my life that God would spare the United States of America. Can I get an amen in the house? I love this land. Being a pastor, I have so many situations that I'm constantly dealing with. I'm constantly dealing with stresses of life. Through COVID, in my city, the health department came up to us and said, you got to shut down your church. You can't open the doors. I called up the health department. I said, let me tell you something. The health department, I am not your enemy. The church is not the health department's enemy. I said, you know what, Todd? I am not your enemy. I'm Pastor Mark Swanson. I've lived here my whole life. You're talking about somebody that loves his city. I love Rockford, Illinois. I call it the Holy Land. Now, you might think it's holy cow or holy smoke, but I call it the Holy Land. I love it. I love living there. I love northern Illinois. I love where God has put us. I love that place. I looked at Todd, and I called Todd, and I said, Todd, let me tell you something. Right now in the city of Rockford, domestic violence is up 51%. Husbands and wives fighting, people stabbing in their own home, their, their, their houses and their home life is a mess. I said, I'm a pastor. You know something? That's where I want to go. I'm helping go to those homes and try to help that husband and help that wife find out who Jesus is so they can have a changed life, so they can have the, the way to come to church and be different. Amen. 51% in the city of Rockford, our domestic violence was up. I said, Todd, I said, not only that, but drug use. We're at an all-time high in our city for drug use. I said, Todd, no, he's, he's quiet on the other end of the line. I said, Todd, not only that, but we are at an all-time high in our city for suicides. Suicides. People overdosing with drugs. People can't handle this pressure. People don't know what's going on. That's why they need Jesus, amen. That's why they need somebody that'll love them. That's why they need somebody that'll care for them. That's why they need somebody to put their arm around them and say, let me tell you about my best friend. His name is Jesus. He can take anybody out of the gutter, put their feet on a rock to stay, and give them a new song, amen. How many in this place? You're glad Jesus saved your soul. Can you say amen? Oh, listen, tonight you say, man, this is a revival. Let me tell you something, everybody. If we're going to get revived, somebody's got to get somebody to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Suicide's all time high. Going crazy. Drug abuse. Unemployment. Murder. In our city, Brother Biden, murder. All time high. Highest ever. Murder. 
I deal with a lot of young people. I deal with a lot of families. I heard, how many in here, any young people in here had to go online school this last year? Let me see your hand. Hold high. You went online school? I read the article about an 11-year-old boy that was online school and was so discouraged and so depressed that he took a he took a gun out and took his own life in front of his classmates online. Another 12-year-old boy was so depressed because of all this stuff that's going on that that 12-year-old boy went into his room and hung himself. And his little eight-year-old sister is the one that came in and found him. You say, Pastor Mark, what are you trying to be dramatic? Not at all. I'm trying to tell us that we live in a day and hour. Somebody's got to get somebody to Jesus. Amen. The need has never been greater. We've never had so much need in our life. And Victory Baptist Church tonight, if we're going to have an old heaven set revival, it's got to come where we spend time with God. We spend time with Jesus. We're in his presence. And then we get excited about telling somebody about Jesus because this world is a mess without Jesus. Amen. This world's a mess. And I'm saying tonight, hey, tonight I want you to know that God can still do it. God can still do it. I, if you're here tonight and you're discouraged, you're downhearted, I want you to know that God still has the power to bring America back to God. God still has the power to save the worst sinner of all kind. God still has the power to reach your brother, your sister, your father, your mother. God still has the power to do that. God can still reach the drug addict. God can still reach the, the person on the street. God can still reach the homeless. God can still reach the rich and God can still reach anybody. I'm saying today we are not out of time yet. Let's go get somebody to Jesus. Amen. When the heat's turned up. Your Bible is in the book of Daniel, chapter number one. I don't want you to look at verse number one, if you will. Would you stand with me for just about an hour and a half? One of these days, Brother Coburn, I'm going to do that. That'd be good. Sister, you got that camera out? Could you come up here? Does it have one of those wide lenses on it? Could you come up and just snap, Snapchat? Instagram? Billy Graham? The Grams? <laughs> Graham crackers? <laughs> Could you just take some photos? I'd like to get that. Could you send that to me in my email? My email is mgswanson, praise at yahoo.com. Jesus can save anybody in America. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. <laughs> Seek ye first the king. You think she got it? Amen. How many love Jesus? Amen. Going to church is fun. Amen. Going to church is having a good time. Amen. Let's not let the fire go out, Victory Baptist Church. Let's start the fire. Amen. Let's start it. Daniel chapter 1, the Bible says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God. And he carried into the hand of Shinar to the house of his God, little g. And he brought the vessels into the treasure, of, treasure house of his God. Oh, I love this passage of Scripture, verse number 3. And the Bible says, And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed, and of the prince's children, in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge, 
and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. And now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. In verse number 8, the Bible says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. I want to preach tonight when the heat's turned up. When the heat's turned up. Father, I pray now that you would bless your dear people. I thank you, dear God, for this great city. I thank you, dear God, for this great church. I thank you for the great pastor, my dear friend. And thank you, dear God, for the staff who I love and appreciate. Lord, it's been so refreshing just to be with him. And it's been a good time being with these people in this house. And Lord, how they have refreshed my spirit and how they have helped me. And dear God, I sense the spirit of God, the anointing of God, the power of God in this place. And Lord, I pray that you'll set this house on fire. Dear God, may there be a young person tonight that would determine that they're going to live for God no matter where they're at, whether it be in their neighborhood, whether it be in a public school, whether it be on the job, wherever it is, dear God, I pray that a young person would say, I'm going to go all out for Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray for the adults in this auditorium tonight. Dear God, if there's ever been a time where adults, we need to reach out to a generation that's lost, to a generation that has given up hope, and to a generation that's killing themselves. Dear God, I would pray that you would put a fire in us tonight that would never go out dear God. Lord, give us a new vision tonight. I would pray that you'd help us to understand, dear God, that what we need to do when the heat is turned up in this generation, when the heat is turned up on us in the United States of America. Dear God, I love America. I would love to, I would love to see America come back to God. Lord, I would pray tonight that you'd help us all in this auditorium to love America once again. Lord, she's been, she's been blasphemed. She's been made fun of. She's been cut down. The history has been canceled. And that, dear God, I'm thanking, I'm thanking you tonight, dear God, that they can't cancel our God of the United States of America. So, dear God, I'm praying that you'd give us revival tonight. Set a fire in us. Oh, God, please, this is a great place. Oh, God, I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. Holy Spirit of God, fill me and use me. Let us know your power in this place, and I'll promise to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When the heat's turned up, when the heat's turned up, Charles Finney said, Prayer is the essential link in the chain of events that leads to revival. Can I say it again? Prayer is the essential link in the chain of events that leads to revival. Leonard Ravenhill said the church is dying on its feet because it's not living on its knees. Uh, I'm saying tonight, my dear friends, what are we going to do when the heat is turned up? I don't know what your ways are tonight, but I know what my ways are. And the Bible says if, if we would turn from our wicked ways, that God would hear us and he would heal us. And that's what I'm asking for the United States of America today. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 34, that righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Does anybody believe that anymore? Is it, is it a amazing how you call evil good and good evil. If you want to live for God, you're called an evil person. If you're an evil person, you're all of a sudden called good. I'm saying things have flip-flop. Satan has a hand on this country. Satan has a hand on the leadership of this country. Satan has a hand in many, many people's lives. But let me say something tonight. Praise God. It's not over till the king says 
it's over. I'm asking us tonight, dear friends, would you pray with me that God would be with us when the heat is turned up? What are you going to do when the heat is turned up? The Bible says in Psalm 139, 23, and 24, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I'm asking us tonight that we would be a people that God could look at, that God could see, that we're hungry for revival, that we're serious about revival, that somebody's willing to go to God and spend time in prayer. Somebody's willing to get right with God from the inside out, from stem to stern. Oh God, would you make it revealed to me? Would you tell me what I am? Would you show me what I am? Oh, because I want to be a blessing to the United States of America. Let me say something. It's time for the church to wake up. I'm not saying Victory Baptist Church. I'm talking about the church in general. It's time that the church gets on fire once again. It's time that we have some amens once again. It's time that we have some souls saved once again. It's time the buses run again. It's time that the fire of God falls. And when it all happens, let me tell you something. We won't be able to take the credit. It's going to come from Almighty God. Amen. It's going to come from God. I ask us tonight, what are we going to do? What are we going to do when the heat's turned up? In our story today, we have young men, probably between the ages of 17 and 20, that were taken away from their homeland and carried into Babylon because the people of God turned their back on a holy God. You know something? If we turn our back on God, we've got to pay the results. If we turn our back on God, there will be a consequence. You know, I wish I could tell young people this. You can choose your sin, but you can't choose your consequence. I wish I could tell, I wish I could tell adults today, you can choose your sin, but you can't choose your consequence. You can do all your wrong that you want, but let me tell you something. Someday you're going to reap exactly what you have sown. My dear friends, tonight, what are we going to do when the heat is turned up? These Hebrew boys were put into an unfamiliar situation. They were put into a lockdown situation. They were put into a place where they had to determine that they were going to make a decision no matter what happened to them, no matter what they were called on to do, they were going to have to stand. Remember now that somebody along life's way taught these boys to live for Jesus Christ. That's why we can't let a generation go. That's why we got to pour into a generation and 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 pour into a generation. We can't stop pouring into a generation. She just surrendered her life on Monday night, praise God, amen, was a Monday night, she said, I want to surrender, but we cannot stop, because they were young men, they went into a hard situation, and yet they had so much power of God on them, that nothing could move them, nothing could change them, nothing, nothing got them off course, they were loving God enough, they didn't need mom and daddy there to take a stand. They didn't need grandpa and grandma. But let me say something that was important enough in those early days to pour into those young people to make it possible when the tough time came that they would stand for God even though everybody else turned away. Even though others broke the rule of God. They stood for God. Amen. I wonder today who is it young people? Is there anybody here that would stand for God? We live in a generation that is trying to reprogram our youth and tell them that there is no God. We live in a generation trying to reprogram our youth to tell them that God does not exist 
and that God is not the only way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Man is trying to reprogram our youth in America. I long for America to come home to the land of the free and the home of the brave. We'll gladly pledge our allegiance until our grave established on the Bible, founded on God's word. It's time that we as Christians speak out that we may be heard that a house divided against itself cannot stand alone. And this is the cry of God Almighty. America, come home. One nation under God. Is it still true today? Or have we wandered farther and farther away? We've got to spread the good news both far and near. America, can't you hear? America, come home. Liberty and justice, freedom for all. Oh, isn't that a blessed thing? Liberty and justice, freedom for all. On the truths of the Bible, we stood proud and tall. Now we're murdering our children, condoning wickedness. Oh, can't you see the difference between now and then but the father's waiting patiently our sins to atone and this is the cry of God almighty America come home one nation under God is it still true today or have we wandered farther and farther away we've got to spread the good news both far and near America can't you hear America come home America come home I want to give you some thoughts tonight just before we close out first of all I want you to notice if you take your Bible Go to uh, Daniel chapter 1, verse number 8. The Bible says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Verse number 9, Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love, the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse? liking than the children which are of your sort. Then shall ye make me endanger my head to the king. Do you know why they did this to Daniel? Do you know why they were doing this to the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hanani, Meshach, and Azariah? You know why they were doing that? They were playing with their mind. They wanted to refocus their mind. They wanted to reprogram their mind. Can I say, my dear friends, are they trying to reprogram the minds of our youth in America today? They are trying to reprogram the minds. They're trying to tell them that there are many genders. The Bible says it's just male and female. It doesn't matter what man says. It's just male and female. It'll never change. It has always been male and female. And when people People are going against this blessed old book. Let me say something tonight. The results will always fall upon that people. I'm asking God, would you have mercy on us? Dear God, would you spare us? Dear God, would you give us another chance? Have you ever had a second chance in life? Can I get an amen in the house? Have you ever wandered far from God? Have you ever quit on God? And yet God in his mercy let you come back to him. He let you have another chance. Ever since all of this has fallen, Brother Coburnett, I've been crying out to God. God, we don't deserve it. God, we're unworthy, but dear God, would you please, dear God, would you please give us another chance, oh God, give us another chance. I said, dear God, I want to reach more people for Christ. I want to give somebody else another chance. I want to reach another teenager for God. I want to reach somebody with the gospel. I want to call America back to God. Oh God, would you please give us another chance. Give us a, another chance. I'm asking God, would you give us another chance? Verse number 20, watch what happens in Chapter 1 of verse number 20, the Bible says, watch this. Verse number 19, then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. And then Daniel, I'm sorry, that's chapter 2 in it. Verse number, chapter 1, verse number 20, 19. The Bible says, and the king communed with them, and among them, was, among them all was found none like Daniel, 
Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. And Daniel continued even under the first year of King Cyrus. Can I say something, my dear friends? The Bible still works. The plan of God still works. If we would just work the plan, if we would just put it inside of our young people. Sunday morning, I called up all of the children in our church, I think from fourth grade on up, and they came and they, they flooded the platform. I looked at all the parents and I said, please, would you give them another chance to have an America like you and I have had? But somebody's going to have to call on God. Somebody's going to have to repent of their sins. and Somebody's going to have to turn to God. Somebody's going to have to ask God, would you give them another chance? I look at the young people as they've gone through this COVID. Who knows what the adults are thinking but can I tell you the young people are hitting something in their minds that they don't even are they're not prepared for but it takes a generation of moms and dads and Christian teachers and preachers and friends that will help them get through this rough time and Daniel had somebody in his generation Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Ezra had somebody that poured into them I'm saying to all of us today we need to pour into them number one I want you to notice they made an unmistakable decision the made they made an unmistakable decision the heat was being turned up on them the king wanted them to eat of their meat and they said no way you're not going to reprogram us can i say my dear friends today i would beg this church i would beg this church i would beg mom and dads in here i would beg every worker in here that we would hit an altar tonight and say dear god would you spare a generation would you spare this group of young people they're facing something nobody's ever faced let alone all the temptations they're going through yet all the technology that they're seeing they're facing things that are more difficult than you and i ever grew up with temptations temptation i know but it bombarded them day in, day out, hour after hour, hour, friend after friend. I'm asking us tonight that we would gather together and that we'd say, oh God, would you spare a generation? Would you give them another chance? Dear God, would you look upon us? Would you heal our land? Would you free us from our sin? Dear God, would you count us worthy to see an old-fashioned revival? I don't know who wants it tonight, but I'm hoping somebody in this church says, dear God, whatever the price, would you help me pay the saving generation? I'm wondering if there's a mom or dad here tonight that you'd say, I'm not going to go to rest. I'm not going to go to sleep. I'm going to stay on fire for God. I'm going to keep crying out during these COVID days. I don't know about you, but you can ask my wife. There have been nights after nights after nights after nights where I didn't even go to bed. I just stayed up crying out to God. Say, Dear God, would you give us another chance? Dear God, would you give us another chance? And they made an unmistakable decision. These young people said, it doesn't matter what it costs us we're going to make a decision to live for God it doesn't matter who's with us we're going to make a decision for God it doesn't matter who's with us or who's against us we're going to make an unmistakable decision that we're going all out for God I'm asking this great church tonight if we're ever going to see this great country come back to God somebody's going to have to make an unmistakable decision that we've decided to follow Jesus and there's no turning back though no one join me still I will follow though no one join me still I will follow Though no one join me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. Though the world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. No turning back. We need to make an unmistakable decision. I wonder who it is tonight that's willing to make an unmistakable decision in their life. Is there a teenager here? You say, I want to make an unmistakable decision. I'm going to go for God no matter who's with 
with me? Who's against me? Who loves me? Who hates me? Who comes against me? I'm going to make an unmistakable decision for God. I love what the lieutenant governor of Texas said recently. He said he knew how to solve all of the problems in America. He said it was to repent and turn to God. Thank God for a politician that won't bow kowtow to the other politicians. Somebody that'll stand up and say, I know we can bring this country back to God. You know what? The answer is easy, but it's doing it. We know what the answer is. It's just doing it. My dear friends, tonight, America's going to have revival when you and I say we're going to make an unmistakable decision. We're going all out for God. Unmistakable decision. I don't know what's coming against us, but I do know this much. Somebody needs to make an unmistakable decision. That lieutenant governor said, society and politicians have done all they can do to kick God out. If we are ready for a change, he said, turn to God. America's changing. In the last year, America's changed more than any of us have seen almost in a whole generation. Can I get an amen in this place? It's changed. One of the greatest things that we're fighting right now is called the Equality Act. Has anybody ever heard of the Equality Act? Let me see your hand. You've heard of the Equality Act. The Equality Act, if the Senate passes that Equality Act, it will tell the churches, it will take, it will take away the freedom that we have in America to say what we want and do what we want. It will attack us. It, our freedoms in our churches will be under attack because then we're going to have to try to do what they tell us to do. We're going to have to do what the sodomites tell us to do. All this transgender thing, they're going to make us, let me say something, what are we going to do when the heat's turned up? I'll tell you what it's time to do. It's time to make an unmistakable decision. You know what, young people in here tonight, I'm going to ask you at the end of the service tonight if you'd be willing to make an unmistakable decision. There had to be a time in Daniel's life, there had to be a time in Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah's life where they said, I will make an unmistakable decision. There's no turning back for me. There's some young people in this auditorium, maybe you made that decision before, but you, praise God you can make it again, have another chance, amen. But maybe there's some adults in here tonight that you need to say, I'm coming back tonight. I'm going to get more serious about what God wants me to do. I'm coming back tonight. I want to see America come back to God. I want to step up for America. It's time that I decide. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Hey, you know what? I've been a pastor for 10 and a half years. Youth pastor for 24 years. I've been in the Christian, Christian realm for all my life. And let me tell you something. My heart breaks every time I see somebody walk out the door and never come back. Hey, breaks my heart every time I've had a close friend that walks out the door and blames everything on God in the church. It breaks my heart tonight when people walk out on God. But I'm saying, my dear friends, tonight, if just one in this auditorium, or two, or three, or four would say, I'm going to make an unmistakable decision. I'm going all out for God. Let me tell you something. It'll make all the difference in Victory Baptist Church tonight. Would you be the one? Would you be the one? The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 7:12. listen to these verses. Powerful. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain or if I command the locusts to devour the land or if I send pestilence among my people. Does anybody know what we're in? We're not in a pandemic. We're in a pestilence. Man created, devil used, and God allowed a pestilence. Watch this. If I command the locusts to devour the land, and if you ever turn on the news, you're going to hear about bugs all over the world. Locusts. 
Or if I send pestilence among who? My people. Listen to this next verse. Are you listening? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. The word heal there means to stitch back together, to repair thoroughly. You know something, everybody? doesn't look like America's gone too far. doesn't look like America has turned her back on God, yes or no? Does it look like filth and sin is glorified in our land, yes or no? You can drive through cities. My wife and I were driving through this, the, the United States over to California. There were some cities that we would go in and you could see the filth, you could see the billboards, and you could see all the stuff that is lining our hallways and lining our highways. And I'm saying, my dear friends, today, if my people which are called by my name, anybody here called by Jesus' name, can you say amen? If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, our wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. The Bible says that if we do what God says, uh, he's going to take the stitches. uh, He's going to take that crochet. He's going to take the thread and the needle. And the Bible says that he's going to stitch it all back together. And the Bible says he's going to reinforce it. He can reattach this thing if we just say, oh God, would you please? Uh, We need to get on our face before God. Listen, my dear friends, how many love America? Can you say amen to that? How many want America back to God? Can you say Amen. How many love Roanoke? Let me hear you. Roanoke Rapids, can you say amen? How many believe God can save Roanoke Rapids? Can you say amen? I believe it's time in all my heart and all my life. I love Rockford, Illinois. I'm asking God, would you let me be on fire? Would you let the Berea Baptist Church be on fire? Would you heal our land, stitch back together to repair thoroughly? Not only that, I said an unmistakable decision. Number two, there needs to be an unchangeable Desire. There needs to be an unchangeable desire. If you still have your Bible open, could you go to Daniel chapter 3 and verse number 1? The Bible says, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And king, then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. For sake of time, let's go down to verse number six. The Bible says, And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Verse number seven, Therefore at that time when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, is this amazing or what? All kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshiped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. This looks like 2021. This looks like my generation. If we're not willing to bow down, if we're not willing to give in to them, we're going to have to pay the consequences. Amen. What do we do when the heat's turned up? Number one, you make an unmistakable decision. Number two, you, make an un- you have an unchangeable desire. Now watch this. If you look at verse number 17, the Bible says, of 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Verse number 18, but if not, 
Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. They had an unchangeable desire. They said, King, we have a God that can deliver us out of your hand. We have a God that can deliver us out of all this wickedness. We have a God that is so big, we trust him with all of our heart. We trust him with all of our life. But we will not bow down and serve the the small God. We serve the big God. We serve the God with the big G. We will never bow. We will never bend. And they said, King Nebuchadnezzar came to them and said, everybody's got to bow down. But they said, King, he can deliver us. But if not, let me say, my dear friends today, if you and I have to go through things to have revival? Are we willing to go through the things that's necessary to set the church on fire? Are we willing to go through the things to set our family on fire? Are we willing to go through the things to have people called back to God? Are we willing to see a generation turn back to God? They said, King, we have a God that can deliver us out of your hand. Can God deliver us out of this mess that we're in? Can you say, He can. But if not, but if not, we must have an unchangeable desire. We must have a desire that says, dear God, if the whole world turns against me, if the whole world says I can't worship you, if the whole world says I can't knock on a door, if the whole world says I can't run a bus, if the whole world says I can't have teenagers come to class anymore, if the whole world tells us that, if so, it be it so, but if not, but if not, we will not bow down. We will not worship the false gods. I'm asking Victory Baptist Church tonight, would you decide to have an unchangeable desire. There have been times, no doubt, these last 12 months, and maybe even yet today, some feel like you are trapped and there's no way out. There might be somebody in this auditorium, you're, you're sitting on the edge. You're wondering, where is God? You're sitting on the edge today and you're saying, where is God? Through these last 12 months, I can tell you I've answered that question many times for people. He's still on his throne. That's where he's at. He's still on his throne. And this God can change anything. But some in this auditorium, you feel like you're trapped. You feel like there's no way out in your life. But you'll never be trapped when you are in the center of his will. Do you think these three Hebrew children coming before that furnace, fiery furnace, do you think they felt trapped? There was no other place to go. They said, heat it up seven times hotter and cast these three men. They're not bowing down to our gods. Cast them in. Do you feel like they felt like they were trapped? So many people in this generation in the last 12 months, we feel like we're trapped. Can't go soul winning, can't have a choir, church doors are closed. And yet I say, no matter how trapped we may feel, God is still on the throne. God can still deliver us and God is still able to get the job done. Amen. He can still do it. But if not... Do I have that burning, unchangeable desire to say, dear God, I've made my choice. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. These young men stood their ground. There are forces in the world today who oppose our Christian faith. Am I right? They attempt to destroy everything that's holy and control what preachers say. But God still has a few good men who won't bend, who won't bow, won't burn. They will fight to the end to defend that faith until the day that the whole world learns there are things we won't give over. There are things worth fighting for. The book and the blood and the rugged cross. One faith, one way, one Lord. When the world and the flesh and the devil press on and try to tear our strongholds down, we will stand our ground. We will stand our ground. I'm asking you tonight, will you have a ground that you can stand on and say, I'm going to have an un 
unchangeable. I'm going to have an unchangeable desire. God put inside of me, no matter who's with me, no matter who's for me, no matter what they say to us, I, I will have an unchangeable desire to please you with all of my life. Despite what the non-believers say, our God has never changed. His word still means everything it says. It is now and forever the same. The world may think that they have won this fight, but there are some who can still be found who will never give in, will never give up. We will stand our ground. Victory Baptist Church tonight, I come to you on this last night asking you, in the days ahead, would you promise God that I'm going to have an unchangeable desire? I'm going to stand my ground. When they come against me, I'm going to stand my ground. When they tell me I can't pass out the gospel, I'm going to keep on preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm praying that this church will be stronger and bigger and better than ever before. But let me tell you something. We're probably going to have to face the heat. When the heat's turned up, what are we going to do? Lastly, I want you to notice the unmatchable deliverance. The unmatchable deliverance. Was the furnace hot? Yes or no? Chapter 3, verse number 19, then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, and the furnace was exceeding hot, <coughs> Excuse me, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning fire of furnace. Now watch. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. And he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose uh, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. There were four people in. Uh, they had an unmatchable deliverance. Uh, they went ahead all for God. Uh, they went all the way to be thrown into the fiery furnace. Uh, and yet when they got into the furnace, praise God, Jesus uh, showed up in reality. Jesus was in the furnace. You say, Pastor Mark, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say to all of us tonight, if we get excited about God, uh, we make a decision to go for God until the heavens are rent and God sends down a revival. I'm saying to all of us tonight that Jesus... Jesus can take the heat, amen. Jesus can take your heat. You say, I don't know if I can serve God like that. Jesus can take your heat. I don't know if I can go out for God. Jesus can take your heat. I'm not brave enough. Let me tell you something. I don't want to die a martyr. Do you? I don't want to. But if that time ever comes, Jesus can take our heat, amen. He'll go with us all the way. But let me tell you something, my dear friends, I believe in my heart, I believe with all my heart that God is setting a church on fire. I believe that God is setting a people on fire. I believe that God is getting some people ready to say, dear God, would you send us revival? We're serious about it. We're serious Christians. We want to be all out for God. Would you send a heaven, send a Holy Ghost fire down from heaven? Give us an old-fashioned revival. Jesus can take your heat. Jesus can take your heat. We're walking in the furnace with Jesus. Days may get hot for us. The heat may be turned up. They were walking in the furnace with Jesus. Answer this. Have there ever been times in your life, you can raise your hand, have there ever been times in your life where you've wondered, where's God? I see your hands. Times in your life you've wondered, 
Where's God? Can I tell you where he's at? He's in the heat. He's in the fire. He's right there with you. You know what? They didn't say that the Son of God showed up until when? He was in the furnace. Wait a minute, wait a minute. He was there all the time. He was there all the time, but they couldn't see him until they went into the furnace. Some of you are in the furnace tonight. Jesus is going to show up. You say, Pastor, I don't know if I can take it anymore. I know. Pastor, I don't know if I can handle this anymore. I know. But let me tell you something. Praise God, Jesus. Woo-hoo! Jesus can take the heat. Amen. He's taking it. Heard the story about a little boy, eight years of age. He was watching his little sister, three years of age, out in the front yard. And while he was watching his little sister, a pit bull came from nowhere and came and began to attack that little girl. And that little eight-year-old boy stepped in front of that pit bull, and that pit bull bit him in the face. They said that it took 90 stitches and some major surgery to put that boy back together. But he stood in place of his three-year-old sister. They said, what were you thinking? He said, if somebody was going to die, he said, it might as well be me. See, See that flag right there? How many want to stay free? Can I hear an amen in the house? Somebody's going to have to stand. Somebody's going to have to kneel. Somebody's going to have to do something different. We're going to have to get closer to him than we've ever been. We're going to have to make that decision. We're going to have to have that desire. We're going to have to realize that when the heat's turned up, Jesus is right there. Several years ago, many years ago now, in the land of India, There was a man that was in a little village there that was excited for Jesus. He got saved because of the Welsh revival. I'm sorry, the Wales revival, I believe. Welsh revival, Wales revival. Two two, two times things were happening where God's power fell. And even though they were connected, he got saved during those days. And when he got saved, he was on fire for God. He would go to the villages and he would begin to tell people what happened to his life, how Jesus came in and saved him. He would go to those villages and one time he went to the village where he he loved and he was inviting the people to Jesus and telling them what Jesus had done for him in his life. The chief came out and said, sir, you can't do that. You cannot tell people about Jesus in this village. And the chief said, sir, if you're going to do that, you will pay a consequence. He said, sir, I want you to think about it, but I want, you to, I want you to think about this now. Are you willing to say what you're saying or will you recant your faith? And that man said, no, sir, I cannot. I will not. I cannot recant. So they brought that man out into the middle of the village. And they said, sir, we'll give you another chance. Will you recant your faith in Jesus? And that man said, no, sir, I cannot and I will not. The chief brought out his two little children. And the chief said, Sir, if you do not recant, we will kill your children before your eyes, and we're going to put a a bolt, we're going to shoot an arrow through them with a bow. So the man said, Will you recant your faith? And he said, No, sir. No, sir, I cannot do that. 
They said, why not? He said, because I have decided to follow Jesus. They shot the two children and killed them. They came back to the man and gave him more time to think about it. The man still told people about Jesus. And the chief came to him and said, sir, will you recant your faith? He said, no, sir, I cannot. Brought him out to the middle of the village and said, sir, we give you one more chance. Will you recant your faith? And he said, no, sir, I cannot. And they brought his wife out. One more chance, or will you recant your faith? And he said, no, sir, I cannot. And then he uttered the words, though no one joined me, still I will follow. And they took the life of his wife. They asked him personally to recant. They said, sir, you must recant. If you don't recant, we will take your life. And he said, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back. And that day they took his life. The chief was so moved by that that he went to his hut. He came back out the next day and he gathered the, he gathered the village around him and said, I too have placed my faith and trust in this man's God. He said, if that man had that kind of faith, that's the kind of faith that I want. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Though no one join me, still I will follow. The world behind me, the cross before me. I'm asking everybody in this house tonight to make a decision. Would we say no matter what the cost, I've decided I'm going all the way for Jesus Christ. I'm asking us to have an un, unchangeable desire that we would say, dear God, no matter what, no matter what they say, no matter how hard it gets, no matter, has it been tough the last year, yes or no? It has been. Has it been glorious? Have we seen God move? Yes or no? We have. And yet I'm saying, my dear friends, if God can do this now, he can do it again. Hallelujah. He can do it again. I'm asking everybody in this house tonight, do you want revival? Are you hungry for revival? Are you longing for another soul to walk down an aisle and place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Are we willing as a church tonight, are we willing as a generation tonight to say, dear God, I'm willing to pay the price for another generation. I'm willing to go all out. You can do what you want with me. I am all yours. Would you make that decision? Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.